0: And visit Bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator.
2: Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network right, everybody, it is Friday, February 24th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show. From start to finish in its entirety, shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great Friday. Great start to, I mean, I don't know if it's technically the weekend, but kind of is. So maybe I'll say a great start to the weekend. Uh, A lot going on in the combat sports world. We got one on Prime Video 7 later on tonight. We got the UFC tomorrow. We have Bellator tomorrow. If you're up for circus fights in the boxing ring, we got Floyd Mayweather and Aaron Chalmers tomorrow. And then on Sunday, we got Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. And I have to say, before BTL yesterday, I had zero interest in Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. I forgot it was even happening until someone who brought it up on the show last week. And then after hearing Jed kind of talk about it, I'm not going to say he sold me on it, but he got me more intrigued by it. Does that mean I'm going to go out of my way and watch it on Sunday? I haven't decided yet, but I was a full-on no before 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time yesterday, but now I might actually watch it. I don't know. Sunday, of course, me and my best friend will do on to the next one for UFC Vegas 70. And then I'm going to take my kid out on the golf course for a little while. And then we'll see where the day takes me. But, yeah, it's a free-for-all Friday. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. We can talk about MMA. We can talk. We get a lot of pro wrestling questions on here. I'll do my best. Uh, we can talk about the MMA media landscape. We can talk about whatever you want. Uh, but we'll get to the cause in a second. But I, I just want to get something off my chest. A life lesson for all you youngsters who are – getting excited about getting older and adulthood and making big purchases. My advice, if you have a working appliance, just keep it. Don't buy new shit because when you buy new shit, you have problems and then you get a fight with people and then you gotta get on the phone with people. And then you have to sit on hold with people and then you fight some more. And it's a pain in the ass. We got a fridge. We bought a new refrigerator my wife likes to match everything, and we replaced most of the other appliances. The one thing we didn't replace is the fridge. And the fridge worked fine. It was old, but it was probably time to get a new one. So my wife goes and buys a new fridge, and I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of cheap. I like to uh, keep a tight knit on the finances. She controls them. Uh, she's better at the organizational stuff, but when it comes to, like, spending money, I just don't love spending money unless it's like to do cool things and fridges to me are just, I mean, pun intended, they're cool, but anyways, get the fridge dropped off on Wednesday. I'm like, Oh, this looks pretty good. Get through a Wednesday. And then yesterday morning I go downstairs and I open the freezer drawer. Uh, and there's just ice chips everywhere. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I look down and I'm like, Oh, there's a, because if you buy a new appliance, one thing you have to realize, there's like styrofoam. There's tape everywhere. And I mean, it's in every nook and cranny. And the people who drop it off, like don't take it off. So you have to take it off. And I don't give a shit about that. But it's everywhere. So there's one piece of tape, like just buried in the corner of the drawer. So you pull it off. And I shut it. Seems like it's sealed. Go and open it like four hours later. Ice and frost everywhere. I'm like, God damn it. What is going on here? And then we realized that it's just not closing all the way. It's just not sealing. The bottom is sealing, but the top is not. And I'm like, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. Like, we just bought this thing, spent way more money than I would have liked for anything on this. So we call the company that we bought it from, and they're like, well, we can't send anybody out tomorrow. And I'm like... But this motor, like the freezer is not closing. So the motor in this thing is just running like crazy. It's like an opera. It's like, oh, oh, oh." and just over and over again, you can't miss it. And they're just like, no, there's nothing we could do. And they're like, well, you know what you should do? You should call the company who actually makes it. And they'll send somebody out for like an emergency call. I'm like, all right. And then I had to spend an hour on the phone with them this morning and they did nothing for me, like literally nothing. Oh, we'll send somebody out on Tuesday. I'm like, the fridge will be dead by Tuesday. Are you kidding me? Oh, we have one company coming out tomorrow. I'm still going to make that other company come out on Tuesday. I feel like we're going to have to get it replaced, but a little life lesson. If your appliance works fine and it doesn't look atrocious, just keep it. Run it into the ground because then you don't have to deal with the stress. It's a pain in the ass. But hopefully by tomorrow, it'll be all fixed. And I don't know. Just wanted to get that off my chest because I've been dealing with that this morning. But that's my free-for-all Friday. Four Corner Sports, what is your free-for-all Friday?
3: Yep. Yep. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, Mike, so I just wanted to ask you, uh, what are your thoughts on the, on the Curtis uh, – Chris Curtis comments. I mean, I don't know. I just felt like when he reposted what Marcel ended up tweeting out the bout order, I just felt like he just came off as salty. And I know that he was salty about it, but I just think that, you know, the USC is going to try to push their biggest stars on, on the main event. And I think he's in a, in a pretty good position. I mean, not too many, he- too many people know what's it called, Raul Rosa's over Chris Curtis, just because of the fact that he's 18 years old. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think that. You know him fighting Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, he's in a tough spot. I mean, he is gonna look, is gonna look pretty bad if he doesn't get the victory over Kelvin Gaslam And he's, you know, barking up that he why isn't he on the the main card? I don't know. That's just my opinion right there. I personally, I think that he is in an excellent position being on the feature prelim because a lot more eyeballs are gonna be on him. But I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Thanks, Mike.
2: Yeah, I saw this. Uh, for those who didn't see it, uh, my man Marcel. One of my favorites in the industry. Uh, tweets out the bout order like he typically does. This one's for UFC 287. And the main card is Pereira Adesanya, Burns Mazadal, Font Yanez, Holland Ponzinibbio, and Raul Rosas Jr. Uh, versus Rodriguez. That is the main card. And the ESPN prelims opens with Chris Barnett, Chase Sherman, Michelle, it's Watterson Pinheiro, Kiesa versus Lee Jingliang. And then the featured prelim is... Chris Curtis versus Calvin Gaslam. And Chris Curtis tweets out, quote, not going to lie. The bout order is completely fucked. One of the best cards of the year. And I get bounced from the main card for a child. I fought on short notice, have taken on whoever and gone four and one to get ranked. And I get bounced for a kid with one fight. Yeah, I'm salty as fuck. Well, I mean, if there's one thing he could say, at least he admits that he's salty in this equation. Chris is a very emotional guy. I've been talking to Chris for a long time, well before he got into the UFC. I've been talking to him since like 2015 or 2016 about getting to the UFC. So there's certain, there's certain guys when they finally get signed that you're just so excited for, and Chris might be at the top of the list because this guy has just been through the ringer personally, professionally, been in big spots, PFL playoffs, loses a fight, retires, eating a meal, finds out that he can come back and try to win the million, comes back and gets beat again. And then it seems like his career's he might just be done altogether. And then he just comes back and wins a, like a million fights on the regional scene and then he gets a UFC call and he's four and one. Uh, he's done a lot. He's a great story. But I will say this. I agree with you, Four Corner Sports. I think this is a better spot than the Raul Roses Jr. Rodriguez fight. I I mean, look, you want to be on the main card. It's cool. But there's a reason you're in that spot. If you're not in the main event or the co-main event, I, to me, I would want to be in that spot. I would want to be in that exact spot because it's a very important role. One, you are essentially putting a spotlight on you and the promotion is going to promote the crap out of it because they have a partnership with the ESPN is going to promote it as well. And that fight is there to entice people who are on the fence about whether or not they're going to spend $80 on a pay-per-view to get them off the fence. That's why WWF used to do that all the time. I mean, I think they still kind of do it, but WWF back in the day used to go on, like random networks they used to go on like the TV guide channel like before all these fancy remotes where you could just push a button and see what's on TV you had to go to like the guide channel the TV guide channel it would tell you what was on and WWF would have like a 30 minute pregame show with like one really solid match to get people to buy the pay-per-view and that's what this spot is here for so to me this pay-per-view is going to do fine but it's not going to be blo- it's not going to be a blockbuster I would say twice as many people are going to watch Chris Curtis fight in this spot than they would on the pay-per-view. So maybe he didn't realize that. Maybe he thinks about it differently. Some people some people think about it. They just want that main card spot. That's what they want. Um, but to me, if you're talking about promotion and eyeballs and all that stuff, because like Holland Ponsonimio is not going to get a, a ton of push. As much as we love Kevin Holland, it's not going to get a ton of push. Font Janas is going to be kind of like the people's main event by the time we get to it. They'll push Roses Jr. because of his age and to try to get him over because he's, if you look at anything he's done on social media, uh, on YouTube, his stuff just blows up. People are just fascinated by this kid. But Gaslam, more people are going to watch Chris Curtis fight Kelvin Gaslam than are going to watch Raul Roses Jr. fight on that main card. It's just the truth. Maybe he didn't realize that. Maybe he will realize that. I don't know. But at least he admitted he was salty. So that's good, but I—I mean, I have no issue with the bout order at all. That's—that's exactly where I would put that fight. Zach, hello.
1: Hey, Mike, how you doing? Football is well, and uh, I guess to go on that Rosa's point, you can say the same thing with the upcoming card with Bo Nickel being on the main card. I know he has a lot of stardom, but you know you have guys like you have you have fights like with Cody Garbrandt in it and Drake Duplacy. Brought some that probably think, hey, this guy hasn't even fought yet, and he's on the main card, so. Uh, interesting to see, you know, they're clearly trying to push some guys from the contender series and potential big stars there. But uh the question I had today is, you know, UFC is obviously going to go on a big run with a lot of good fights. But for other fight promotions like Bellator and PFL, I'm always interested to see them trying to figure out find new fights. um The big one for me is with both Bellator and PFL do you think Bellator is not putting out enough fights? where they can get maybe a more casual audience. It seems like they put maybe one, maybe two. I know we criticized you guys at MMA Fighting. has criticized USC a little bit, not in a bad way, but just saying, you know, they put out so many events, it's so so much content and all that stuff, which could be tiring. So maybe them putting out belts or putting out more than they would help. And then with PFL, it's a league I like. I like the format, but then at the same time, you know, they're putting out this random challenger series on a platform no one could find. And, you know, PFL Europe and all this stuff. Do you think they're doing too much too early where maybe it's just way too much content for people to find out and it might hurt the main product, which would be just the, you know, the PFL regular season. Uh, thanks, Mike. Hope you have a good day.
2: Um, with the Bellator thing, I think they're putting out like just enough and you can make the case that it's maybe too much, honestly. Two cards in February. Obviously, Bellator 290 was big. They did over a million people watching, which is huge. Then they got this card, second card in three weeks. March 10th, we open up the lightweight Grand Prix. The March 31st card is awful. Boy, is that a bad card. Marcelo Golm versus Daniel James is the main event. That's a That's a tough one. That's going to be a tough one. But, I mean, the other cards aren't bad. April, back to Hawaii. They do the back-to-back. Um, we got Carmouche, Deanna Bennett, too. On the Friday, we got Stots and Mix on the Saturday. And then we got Gegard, Musasi versus Fabian Edwards in Paris in May. And they, they might do a second event in May. I think they're probably doing the right thing. The problem with Bellator is, like, their roster is really good. The guys who are at the top are really, really good. Uh, it's just not very deep. And when you look at some of these pay-per-view, or not pay-per-view, but some of these cards that they're putting on, like, you get good cards, and you get good made events. Like, I like this Bellator 291 card. I like this card tomorrow. There's 18 flights, and that seems like a lot, but they run through those prelims so quickly. It's just boom, 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 boom. They might go to the desk for 30 seconds, but it's like, oh, let's go to the desk to Josh Thompson and Amanda Guerra. And then they talk for like 30 seconds, and by the time they're done talking, we're already like, both fighters are already in the cage and getting introduced. So like a 13-fight UFC card is worse than an 18-fight Bellator card when it comes to pacing because most, car- most of those fights are on the prelims and they just fly through them. And then at certain points, they do post limbs. Some people watch. Most are just kind of checked out after the main event. But boy, that for first card is rough. But I think they're off to a good start. I think this card's really good. March 10th's pretty solid. March 31st is going to be a tough one. And the next three are pretty solid. So, yeah. I think Bellator's doing enough. Their roster's just a little thin, very top-heavy. They get some exciting up-and-comers, but you just got to fill out these spots. It's easier to do when you go to Dublin because you can just take a lot of local fighters and put them on the card, and people are going to buy tickets and sell that thing out. But... When you go back to the Temecula, California's and the San Jose's and the Uncasville, Connecticut's, it's a little tougher to fill out those spots. So I think Bellator's doing fine outside of the Bellator 293 main event, which is awful. It's just a rough, rough main event. No offense to those guys. It's just not a main event. It's just not a great main event. PFL, like, I don't have an issue with the Challenger Series. Uh, that's a hardcore thing. Like if you really want fights and you want to watch it, you can. It's on Fubo, I think. And I, the problem with the Challenger series last year when they introduced it was two things. One, you had to buy Fubo. You had to buy the product and spend, I think it was like, I don't remember what it was, but it was, I remember looking at it, the price tag on getting Fubo per month and I was like, I am not doing that. Absolutely not. People spend enough money to watch MMA. I'm not doing it again, especially for the PFL Challenger Series where only one fighter is going to get a contract. I might know two or three on a card at best. But the main draw is like the people they have who come in and judge. And some of them are like MMA fighters and some people you know. And then others are just rando celebrities or people who play other sports. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Not to mention sort of the gambling mistakes they made by pre-recording the shows and then putting up betting lines after, which they got in trouble for. Not the case anymore, but at least this year it's free. Uh, you, can find, you have to search for it on Fubo, but at least you don't have to pay for it. So that's good. And the other thing about it is all the cool stuff's on social media. So you don't even have to watch the card. You just go on PFL social media and all the big highlights, any of the big moments. You find out who wins the contract. It's all right there. So I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with the Europe series. And then once the main card rolls around, we're good to go. I'm just glad it's not like they're not all in the same network. I'm glad the Challenger series isn't on ESPN Plus because it's not not like the Contender series. It's not like the Ultimate Fighter. No one's going to watch it. Some people do. Most people don't. But at least if you wanna watch it, there's the option. So I don't think it's gonna to get too too watered down because if it was all on ESPN plus, you might run into that issue, but it's almost like it's it's almost like it's separate, if that makes any sense.
0: and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: Uh, let's go to Tristan. What's up, man? Mike, um,
4: the question I have for you, um, I think, I remember we talked about you know UFC fighting at Apex, and we don't want that anymore. We want them on the road, and I think uh, your 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 pal uh, James Lynch had had this theory that he feels like when COVID hit, the UFC had lost a lot of money, so they're just making it up, having fights at the Apex. So they don't want to keep going back to just having. I mean, they go on the road, and that costs some money to um, book a book a uh, arena and things like that, like that, so I think they use the egg packs as a way to save money in a way i mean that that kind of made sense when he uh when he uh, put it like that um my 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 second question too is um what, what where where are you at with Joe Selecki right now um you know he's he's one you know he was on a run and then he took a he had a setback lost i think a fight or two but where are you at with him right now? heading on uh, Saturday's card. Um, you know, I just just want to know your thoughts on that.
2: Thanks, Mike. Uh, sh- okay, thank you, sir. Uh, the APEC, look, I love James. He's one of my favorite people in the industry, but he's far from the first person to come up with that. And it's not a theory, it's fact. It's fact. And was the UFC, like, losing money? No. No, because they have this, this crazy-ass deal with ESPN where you just got to put cards on and you're making a ton of money. Now, are you losing money because of the gates? Sure, but you have to do something and you can't go to arenas and book shows, but the show must go on. You have this deal with ESPN, so you have to put on cards, hence the Apex. And then the Apex just became a regular thing and... Long and the short of it, the cards, if you look at them, are not spectacular. March is good. That's why they're on the road. And April looks good. That's why they're going on the road. But most of these cards that they put together are Apex cards. The last couple have been pretty tough. This one is not great either. Like, who is gonna Who's going to shell out $150 to sit in a balcony? And I'm not dogging these guys. But who's going to go out and shell out 150 bucks to sit in the balcony to watch Nikita Krylov fight Ryan Spann? Not many. I'm not saying they can't get to that point, but right now, that's an apex card. They're just people aren't going to do that. Aaron Blanchfield, Just Gondrage—that's not going to sell out arenas. Great fight, we love that fight, but it's not going to get people to drop five, you know. 150 to 500 to a thousand dollars to go to some random city in Kansas City or some random not Kansas. I'm not dogging Kansas City, but just or, where are they going to host that? Where are they going to host it? I don't know. So I don't think the apex days are over. It'll be a nice refresher to get away for a while. We just got to get through this card, and then I think the next six cards are on the road, which is awesome. And even the March 11th card, which nobody's talking about right now, the Piotr Jan Rob Walsh really card, it's in Vegas, but it's not at the Apex. It's a smaller venue, and I just, I kind of hope the UFC just does more of that. Remember the old tough finales? It'd be in a smaller venue. It was like, I keep going back to like WWF, but it's like Monday Night Raw when they were at the Manhattan Center. Sometimes less is more. But not like Apex-less. I'm talking like 1,000 people, 1,500 people. At the Apex, you're getting like, at most, like 200. And that's for like a big fight. And, or if Calvin Cater fights, because he travels with like 100 people. It's crazy. But Jed brings it up all the time. When Joe Martinez like tries to fire up the Apex crowd, it's kind of hilarious. Make some noise if you are ready. And then you hear like 11 golf claps. But, yeah, clearly that it's a, it's a money saver. And then once the UFC could start going on the road, they were like, well, we lost a bunch of money on the gate, so let's just hold a bunch of cards at the Apex and save that overhead. They were still kind of losing money because they weren't getting gates, but at least they didn't have to travel. And with some of the cards they are putting together, like, why travel with it? You're not going to sell. Outer, you know, it doesn't even look like UFC 283 sold out. And that's a freaking pay-per-view in Brazil. And there was a Brazilian fighter on every single fight. In every single fight. And they couldn't even sell that place out. So. I don't think it's going anywhere. I know there have been talks about expanding it. Expanding that arena to put in a bunch of extra seats. uh, Which would be kind of cool, honestly. Which would be kind of cool. If you could put... Fifteen hundred to two thousand people in the apex to watch those cards. Like I think it would go over better. It's not necessarily the place. It's just the ambiance of it. It's like watching a. It's like watching an episode of The Ultimate Fighter, where it's just, you hear a bunch of teammates yelling and screaming the whole time. That, that's what those apex cards feel like. So the big moments just don't come off as big moments because there's like 80 people there to watch it but yeah that's that's the long and the short of it it is a money saver but y'all you honestly can't take half these cards on the road anyways jd hello
1: hey mike can you hear me yes awesome awesome uh, so, I was wondering uh, two things. First, uh, Kevin Holland's my favorite fighter of all time, even more so than Carlos Condit. Uh, I loved watching him in Orlando. I was wondering if you could expand a little further on your thoughts on the Holland Hans fight. Um, I know we got a little bit of time before that, but we'll I'm for it. And then the second question I got for you: you and both. Mention how you have to listen to other media outlets. What are some other media outlets
5: that
1: you either
4: recommend or they you listen
2: to frequently? Thanks, bud. JD, I don't know where you are, but uh, I wish we could trade spots. Sounds like you're like ATVing or off roading. So, or you're, maybe you're playing golf and you hit a really terrible shot and you're trying to find your golf ball on top of a mountain somewhere. Uh, so enjoy your day. Yeah, I like the holland Ponzi a fight. It's good matchmaking. It makes sense. Uh, it's going to be a mostly stand-up fight. Uh, Ponzi likes to throw to Chuck Mitz. Holland likes Chuck Mitts. Should be a good fight. Holland's not going to probably get taken down over and over again. That's like the one thing you fear when Kevin Holland fights. I think Kevin Holland's going to win that fight. Ponsimbe is good. I think Kevin's a little bit better. I think he's more in his prime right now. And I just think he has more tools on the feet to win. Uh, Kevin's Kevin's an exciting guy. And that fight with Wonderboy is really good. And we'll see. I mean, he, that dude's healing ability is unbelievable. The fact that he's coming back four months later after that Wonderboy fight with the Damage he took, the break in his hands. I mean, it's just insane that he's coming back in only four months. It's nuts. He'll be back before Wonder Boy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, other media outlets for MMA. Um, I mean, I, I like J- we talked about James Lynch. Lynch is the man. He does interviews with freaking everybody uh from main eventers to regional fighters to even amateur fighters uh anything lynch does i think is, is is pretty damn good uh i am a fan of i like listening to uh dan levy he does uh his best fight picks hosts a show called half the battle i like listen when i have time i like listening to his stuff his breakdowns make you think about different things that you maybe hadn't thought of when you're when you're breaking down certain matchups. I thought his Aaron Blanchfield breakdown was, I mean, it turned out to be almost spot on for the Jess Gondraj fight, and he told betters to to bet on Blanchfield, and I I didn't I picked Blanchfield, but he like he was spot on with everything, so I, I like listening to him. When I I don't listen to a ton of like MMA stuff. Uh, once in a while, like, someone will send me some things, like certain rant, Like, MMA guru, like, once in a while, I'll listen to his rants. Uh, some of them are absolutely hilarious. Uh, but when I am, like, driving in the car and stuff, I like to listen to other things. I like to listen to, like, wrestling podcasts. Um, I like... Uh, so... <laughs> I was a big uh as probably a lot of us were who are my age, I was a big Boy Meets World fan when I was a youngster, like 12 13 years old, uh and it was became this like iconic show for people my age. And three of the characters that were on that show like have their own podcast where they they do shows like twice a week. One they like interview somebody who is on the show and then the next one they like rewatch an episode and they talk about it in real time cuz a lot of them kind of like they're kind of like me when I do my content, like I do it and then it's gone and I'll listen to it like a little bit when I like put the podcast stuff together. Uh, But once it's done, I don't go back and listen to anything or watch anything. Occasionally I'll go back and like listen to something like the first time Brian Campbell is on BTL. I went back and listened to that. But for the most part, I don't listen to anything else that I do. And what's interesting about that Boy Meets World show, I think it's called Pod Meets World. They, they hadn't watched the show in like 30 years. So they're like reliving it Some in, in some case for like the very first time ever. And they talk about like what it was like, things they remembered and stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting. But as far as M A stuff, like I might watch stuff that people send me real quick, but I don't watch a ton of it. I try to get some space from the sport when I, when I don't have to cover it, uh, Jimmy, hello.
5: Hello. What's up, man. How are you doing today, Mike? Good. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. I must've been a little bit delayed there. Um, I have two questions for you. One is regard, uh, regarding Francis and Uh, they showed the screenshots that he wants $30 million to box. Do you think that's a fair price that he is wanting, or do you think like that's like do you think he's worth thirty million dollars to box? And my second question to you is, if I gave you a hundred dollars to make a parlay between Curtis Blades and, pa- uh, and Sergei Pavlovich, and the other one would be Henry Cejudo versus Aljo. Who? What's the parlay you're gonna make out of that? And that's all I have.
2: Golly. Um, actually, I address Tristan's other question real quick. Uh, Joe Selecki, I like Joe. Joe's a good fighter, nice guy, uh, very smart. I feel like Joe could be used on the broadcasts because of his knowledge. Like if you ever, Joe was great on BTL. Came in sharp, knew what he was talking about, real good. Joe's not going to be as much as I like Joe. And I've been following him and interviewing him for a really, really long time. Uh, he's not going to be a guy that's going to fight for a belt. He's just in a division that is just so loaded. He's probably, you know, top 25, top 30 ish kind of guy. And his one, let me see, his one UFC loss was to Jared Gordon. That was a close fight, too. Splitty. He's probably just going to tackle Carl Deaton and submit him pretty quickly. That would be my guess. But I like Joe. Joe's not going to be, I don't know if Joe's going to be a ranked guy. Uh, you know, maybe somehow he goes on another run and gets to the 15, but I, I, he's fine. I, I don't know if he cares if he fights for a world title or anything like that. Yeah, he's he's a good, solid hand. I like Joe a lot. Uh, Francis got a 30 million. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the boxing fights he's going to get, he might only get one, but it's going to be with a big-ass name. And it'll be with somebody who can promote it well and get people to care about it. And the smart way to promote it is to make people believe that Francis has a chance. And most people would believe and I'm not taking any pot shots here that he's going to lose to all of these guys. Wilder, Joshua, Fury, he's probably going to lose to all of them. But if he can get one shot at him and just get in there and have the experience and make a ton of money, good for him. But if he boxes either of those guys, he's probably going to make 30 million. And I don't think this is like a demand. I just think that's what he's going to end up getting after ticket sales and buys and all that stuff. Like, I think that's Probably in the neighborhood of what he will end up getting if he fights either of those individuals, or an Andy Ruiz or somebody like that. You know, if he just fights a rando for like a Misfits boxing card, he's probably not going to get thirty million. But yeah, if you go and fight Deontay Wilder, or Tyson Fury, or Ruiz or Joshua, especially, yeah, even Ruiz I would put in there. Yeah, I think thirty millions. In the wheelhouse, sure. Yeah, I think $30 thirty is in the wheelhouse. I'm trying to remember your other question. Maybe somebody can remind me. Damn it. My brain is mush right now. I'll remember it, just like I did that.
1: PJ, what's up? Hey, Mike. Uh, what's going on? Sorry, it's a little windy over here. Um, I had a question about Sugar Sean. Um, so Aljo and Henry supposed to fight in May. Uh, I saw something about that. And I was wondering what your thoughts on that, because it seemed like a lot of people were, uh, upset that Henry gets a, like, jumps, uh, Sugar Sean.
2: Uh,
1: fight, uh, so you want to know
2: where Sean's going go, yeah, to go? Yeah,
1: because I thought, I honestly uh, thought that he should
2: fight, uh, Cheeto Vera. I mean, he still could fight him. He still could fight him. Aljo, look, I've talked about this a million times. Aljo fumbled the bag at UFC 280. He should have just called out Sean. All the attention should have been on Sean and not the whole, I don't care who the UFC gives me, I'll fight this dude, this dude, or this dude. No, it should have been, Sean O'Malley beat Piotr Jan. Whether you scored it for him or not, he won the fight. Aljo should have went all in on the Sugar Sean call out because it's the biggest fight he could get. Bigger than Cejudo. It's going to do better on pay per view. There's going to be more interest for it. And it's a very good matchup stylistically for him. It's one that he's probably like a minus 300 favorite in. And then he can go up to 45 and be done with the division. That's prize fighting. That's how you win prize fighting. So Sean is, I would guess Sean will probably be some kind of a backup. I'm sure he's in the mix. I'm sure he's training to prepare. Because if something happens with either of those two guys, they're going to give him a phone call to step in. And if not, he's probably going to fight the winner. And if Aljo beats Zahudo, he says he's going to go up to 145. Sean's, you do Sean. If Cheeto beats Corey Sanhagen, vacant title, you do Sean O'Malley versus Cheeto for the vacant title. So, I mean, there's ways you can go about this, but Aljo kind of planted his flag in. The I'll fight whoever the UFC wants me to fight. Place in the ground. And now he's going to fight Henry Cejudo. And now I remember the other question. So the parlay between... It was Blades, Pavlovich, and Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. I'm picking Curtis Blades very pretty confidently. Against Sergei Pavlovich. And I'm... I'm picking out Jermaine Sterling against Henry Cejudo. I think it's going to be one of those fights where like the betting line is just, I don't know what the betting line is going to look like for that fight the closer we get to it, but I have a feeling Sterling's going to be the underdog. And I think that's going to be a pretty sharp bet. I don't know. Like I've, I'm not saying that Henry hasn't like Henry was always like an excellent fighter. Really, really good. But he's been gone for a while, man. He's been gone for a long time. And and how old is he now? How old is Henry Cejudo? Like, I know Aljo isn't the youngest man in the world either. But Aljo still seems to be in his athletic prime. Henry Cejudo is 36. Just turned 36. I think he will be the oldest... UFC champion I think he'll be one of the oldest UFC champions of the lighter weight classes of all time if he wins this fight. And Aljo is 33. Be 34 in July. And Aljo still kind of pretty much in his prime. So yeah, I'm I'm leaning Aljo in that one, but I wouldn't use that as a parlay piece and I don't bet anyways, but if I did, that wouldn't be a parlay piece. Uh, Probably neither of those fights would be, but I feel much more confident in Curtis Blades than I do Sterling, but I am picking Sterling to beat Surreal, at least right now. Let's go to Cryptocurrency. Hi,
6: Mike. Hey, buddy. How are you doing? Good. You? Good. Good. It's Friday. So, Mike, I I have two questions for you. Uh, I don't know if you discussed this already because, unfortunately, I joined uh, a bit late. But the first one is uh, the Tommy Fury-Jake Paul uh, fight this weekend. And the narrative has always been like, oh, he hasn't fought a real boxer yet. And, uh, yeah. And the more I think about it, Mike, it is actually true. I mean, we haven't seen Tommy Fury fight a real boxer yet. And it's not a slip of the tongue. I truly do mean this. Tommy Fury is the guy that hasn't fought a real boxer. Uh, I mean, the record of this guy is just laughable. Uh, or maybe not the record, but the people he has been fighting. I know people have been saying that all he does is fight these taxi drivers and so on. That's an insult to to taxi drivers because taxi drivers would probably do better. But but anyway, so and I'm actually of the opinion that this is more of a test for Tommy Fury than for Jake Paul. What's your take on that? And the second question, Mike, is um, what do we do with John Jones if he loses against Cyril Ghosn? I mean, he has been preparing for this uh, three years now. Uh, he has lost a big chunk of his career due to this pre- uh, preparation. Uh, I mean, three years, it's a lot. Uh, and those are three years in his prime. Um, So let's say that Cyril Ghosn wins and I'm not going to say that he's going to knock him out or anything, but let's say he wins decisively. Where do we go with John Jones? Is, is that basically it for John? Like, could he really get back there if he loses to Cyril Ghosn or will this end up being another tragic episode in John Jones's life where he just completely loses it. Thank you, Mike.
2: Yeah, someone asked that yesterday about John if he loses, and I, th- I think he's going to be fine. His first fight, like, this is, and I'm not saying, like, John's ever going to use this as an excuse or anything like that, but it's kind of built in. First fight at heavyweight, was kind of preparing to fight Francis. Now he gets Cyril gone, less than two months to prepare it's a, I mean, it's a tough match. It's a tough stylistic matchup when you're preparing for one guy and you're eyeballing one guy and preparing for a certain skill set and then you get freaking Cyril gone. It's like going from a heavyweight to almost like fighting a quick-ass bantamweight striker. It's crazy. So I think a loss would suck. It would sting. But John, I think John will end up fighting Stipe no matter what. Even if he loses, I could see the Stipe fight happening. Um, I don't think Steve has a ton of fights left in him. And I think if Steve had the choice to fight John Jones in a non title main event or fight Cyril Gaon for the title, I think you, I mean, it wouldn't stun me if he went with the John Jones fight because the John Jones fight's going to be bigger, it's, even if John loses. Even if John loses. So, yeah, it'd be tough for him. I, I mean, I'm so interested in that fight. Like I know, and I'm, I'm, I know John is John, and he's, I mean, he is, he has effed up so many times and done just really shitty things, and I don't think that can be ignored. But in terms of the actual fight itself, the competition of it all, that fight is so friggin' interesting because Cyril is so good, and I. No John is one of the best of all time. Most people say he's the greatest ever. I just have no idea what dude is going to show up. Anybody that I've talked to that has worked with John Jones, and I know they're not going to say like he would look like shit, but they're just like dude, like wait till you see this guy. Like you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. Walt Harris is telling me that John Jones and he what he was like I'm not bullshitting you. John Jones is better now than he was Five years ago, because he he's better. Wait till you see it. Because I, I, I can explain it to you, but you're not. It, it doesn't do it justice. Just wait till you see it. So I, oh God, man, I'm so interested in that fight. Jesus. And we'll be watching it live on the watch party. I'm actually going to cut those, uh, cut and produce those cold opens today. I'm actually going to try out a different one for this fight. Uh, I'm going to cut the usual one, but I'm going to try something a little different. Uh, that I wanted to play around with. But, jeez, man, that fight rules. And then the Tommy Fury thing, look, here's the thing. Jake Paul has taken a a different route to get to where he is because of the MMA tie, and brilliantly, might I add, because he has generated just an incredible amount of interest in his fights. And now he's fighting Tommy Fury, the quote-unquote real boxer, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully. This is what everybody wanted. Go fight a real boxer. And I know people look at Tommy Fury's record and they say, or in the guys that he's fought, oh, he's fought shitheads, really. <laughs> he's fought guys with horrible records. But you have to understand something. This is what boxers do. Go look at Floyd Mayweather's first like seven or eight fights. He ain't fighting a lot of guys with winning records. Go look at Tyson Fury's boxing record. He ain't fighting a ton of guys with plus 500 records. This is what you do. This is how it works. You fight, especially if there if a promoter finds you and thinks you have potential. These are the types of fights that are made in order to build confidence and build resumes. And it's happened for most guys. You're not going to it's very rare that you're going to see a 6 and 0 guy fight a 9 and 0 guy or a 12 and 1 guy. It doesn't happen all that often. The guy that the promoter signs on that is putting these cards together, that's trying to get you over, is going to book you with somebody who's going to say yes. And most of the time, early on, you're going to fight dudes with shitty records. Like, it's... Tommy is not the first. And he's far from the last. And most notable names in the world of boxing have had guys like that on their early resumes. That's just how you build up... That's how you build up your record. And boxing is tough sometimes because we don't get the biggest fights. And oftentimes, and we we deal with this with MMA sometimes, and because of what we've learned in boxing over the years, it kind of has carried over. How many times have we had the conversations where we're like, oh, you know what would be awesome? This dude fights this dude. And then we panic a little bit because we're like, oh, but we don't want to kill off a prospect. We don't want to kill off a prospect this quickly. Because if you book these two guys now, somebody's going to lose. And now you're killing off a prospect. It's the bo- almost like a boxing model. That's why you don't see a lot of these fights. It's why in the boxing world, you're not going to see Armand Sarukian fight Matush Gamrod. Like, you're not going to see those kinds of fights. You're just going to see different kinds of things, that, especially the promoter's fighter, give him an opportunity to get over. Now, you're going to get to a certain level where you can't go up any higher you just have to fight the tippy top guys. But to get there, it takes a long time sometimes. So I know a lot of people shit on Tommy Fury's record, but it, that's how it works a lot of times in boxing. But I do agree with you. There's a lot, there's a ton of pressure on both guys. There's a ton of pressure on both guys in this fight. Jake has to win. If he loses to Tommy Fury, yeesh, that's rough. That's tough. At the same token, even though I expect Jake to win, if Tommy loses, it's a, it's tough. Like I agree with that. He heard, and I agree with other people that are like, he's probably going to lose to Jake, and it's just, he's it's, he's going to come out looking awful. Like, how's Tyson going to react to this? That I mean, it's there's a lot to this. There there is a lot of pressure on both guys. There's a lot of pressure on Tommy Fury too, to go out and deliver. But what I'm 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 talking myself into it a little bit more the more I talk about it. But yeah, there's a lot of pressure on both guys to win this fight. It's on a Sunday afternoon, which doesn't really hurt either. But we'll see what happens. Jake wins, he fights Nate in a fight, he'll definitely win. Because I I mean I think Jake I love Nate Diaz. Nate's a star. That's going to do bananas numbers, but Jake Paul's going to beat Nate Diaz in a boxing match. Come on now. He's going to win. <laughs> He's going to beat him. Uh, but they will be durable and take a bunch of shots and talk a lot of shit. It'll be fun to watch. I just hope this is a good fight because there have not been... The problem with Tommy Fury more than anything is that most of his fights are just not entertaining. They're not entertaining. They're bad. And... I guess I do understand what crypto saying a little bit. Normally when you, when these big stars fight, you know, the nine and 27 guys, they beat the hell out of them and knock them out and finish them. And Tommy's not doing that. Tommy fought Anthony freaking Taylor. And I like Anthony a lot. Tommy Fury is like a middleweight and Anthony Taylor is barely a lightweight. And Anthony went the distance of Tommy Fury. Like that's not good. That's not good. And even in these other fights that he had, the weight misses, fighting way lower level competition, just squeaking by. I don't know. Maybe this is the one that he needed. I don't know. We'll see. I think Jake's going to win. It'll be curious to see how Tommy actually approaches this fight. Will he be aggressive? Will he box? Will he fight? I think, he, I think he I think his best chance is to fight. Like get in there and just chuck him. That's probably his best That's probably his best strategy. But I don't know. I'm a little more intrigued today than I was yesterday, but I don't know. Zeke, hello. Zeke muted all right the
0: bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from paris france reigning bantamweight champ patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: How about uh, Payne? Payne, Hello. Hi, Payne. Hey. I, uh, I heard you say something about chuck it.
3: And my mom always taught me to say, chuck it in the fuck
4: it bucket. Just let it go.
2: There you there, go. Some, some, sound, some sound advice. Uh, oh, if you had more, come back in. Sorry. You gotta... Rhyming is always great. Rhyming is always great. I heard somebody say the other day, uh, I think, I, I don't know if, what fight I was talking about with somebody. Oh yeah, I was playing. So when, was it Wednesday? It was either Wednesday or, yeah, I think it was Wednesday. I went and played nine holes of golf and I just wanted to get out and just rush through it. It was the day the fridge came. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go and play some golf. And I played with this 72-year-old guy, uh, which was just a blast. What What a nice guy. And he was like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I cover combat sports. He goes, oh, you know that? That Conor McGregor guy's coming back, right? I said, yeah. And that's how you know that Conor's a big star because you have 72-year-old men on the golf course talking about him. And he goes, you oh, know, that guy's such a big star. I bet everyone knows him from Maine to Spain on a choo-choo train. And I was like, that is the best thing I've ever heard. And I'm going to find an excuse at some point to use that on a show.
5: So thank you, sir. Zeke, yes. we have you? Oh, wow. It was a tough call to follow up, though. I couldn't get off mute before I was talking to myself, Mike. How am I going to follow up chucking it in the bucket, though? I have no idea. Um, I love First it. things first. I agree with you. I mean, I think I don't need to give, uh, you know, Jake Paul the uh, Aljo media lesson. But if Nate Diaz isn't the first thing out of his mouth after Saturday, if he does get a W, I believe uh, – At least for our sake, uh, Jake Paul and maybe even Logan Paul should be arrested. I mean, I'm not sure what he did, but just get him in jail too. Uh, Secondly, for this heck of a morning, uh, if you had to watch one card this year, the remainder of the year, only one UFC card, what would it be? Would it be the Izzy matchup, uh, rematch? Would it be the John Jones matchup? Mike, have a heck of a morning. That's on the books. It's John Jones by a mile.
2: I'm intrigued in all, with all those fights in a certain way, but nothing is more intriguing to me right now than John Jones versus Ciryl Khan. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Very few fights like totally fascinate me and get my imagination running. Like I get excited for, for a lot of the big fights and there are storylines that I look at and there are certain things that I look at, but everything with this Jones gone fight is just, I mean, I, I just have so many questions and there's so many unknowns and most of it's on the John side. Like even just the bad shit, right? Like will John make it through a friggin' week in Las Vegas without something stupid happening? Because he's had a hard time doing that. And these are fair questions to ask. Will he make it to the fight on Saturday? Will he make it there? We could be living in a world, ladies and gentlemen, that within six days, Tommy Fury and Jake Paul are going to box. No one thought Tommy was going to box Jake after all these blunders. And now we're like a couple of days away and then we could get a John Jones fight. Two very th- two things we thought were unlikely. There's still people that I talk to who are like I don't even believe John's coming back. We'll see what happens next week. He'll be there. I hope. But it's definitely John. It's definitely Jones gone by a, by a long shot. William, do we have you? Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, how are Good. you? Um, so
5: I just had a question about,
1: obviously, Oliveira and Darius is either booked or targeted for the May 6th card. And I'm a huge, huge Oliveira fan. But I guess part of me doesn't want to see the Islam fight again, just because that was such thorough domination. And I feel like it would kind of go the exact same way. Um, so I guess, what are your thoughts on who would you want to see win that fight? Cause it kind of feels like that's the number one contender fight. And I feel like, honestly, I think Dariush, even if he's, you know, maybe doesn't promote himself, he's not the most, he's an entertaining fighter, but maybe not the most, most entertaining personality. I think he would probably give Islam the biggest test in the division, but, um, so what are your thoughts on that? Thanks.
2: Crystal, you might want to block your ears. Um, the correct answer and the only answer is, is Benil Dariush. That is, that is the answer. I want to see Dariush fight Islam. That's the fight I want to see. That's the fight we've wanted to see for a while. And if Oliveira wins, I don't think he's getting the title shot. I don't. I think... We talked about this yesterday. We talked about it a lot. If Charles Oliveira... If Charles Oliveira beats Benil Dariush, Dustin Poirier is getting the title shot. Like, that is... Almost a guarantee, like at least in my eyes. I feel very strongly that Dustin Poirier will get the title shot if if Oliveira wins that fight. If Dariush wins, he should 1,000% get the title shot. But I still believe, because of how the UFC does stuff, that Poirier is right in the thick of it with him. Now, if Darius goes out there and just blows the doors off Oliveira, there's nothing Dustin Poirier can do. I don't care how big of a star he is. It is undeniable at that point. But if he wins a hard-fought like Splitty, I don't know if it's going to be enough. Unless he just spits fire on the mic. But if he goes on that microphone and doesn't call for that title fight, and I'm not saying you have to be an asshole about it, but at least just say it. Say the man's name and hope for the best. What do we say at MMA Fighting all the time? What are the three words that we say all the time? Do the thing. And doing the thing is not just in the cage during the fight. Doing the thing is what you say during interviews. What you say after the fight. It is so important. And we've learned this over the last couple of years. And a lot of the newer fans who weren't around 2016, 2017, 2018 when all this stuff was happening anyways, they are now learning – that the UFC is not a meritocratic promotion. It is about what draws eyeballs. It is about what is going to make the most money, whether it's deserved or not. From a meritocratic standpoint. What can we use in promos to build fights? You want to know why Nate Diaz got that Conor McGregor fight after RDA came out? Because he cut that promo after he beat Michael Johnson. And there was nobody else to ask. Nate was the guy. Because he set himself up for it. And what were we saying? Fans back then, when Nate beat the hell out of Michael Johnson, and he called O'Connor McGregor, what did we say? We are like, oh, man. That's a, that's a stretch. And then he gets the fight, and he wins, and then he cuts the promo after. I'm not surprised, MFers. Boom. Instant superstar. That's why it's so important to have something in mind. It has to be somewhat realistic. There's just more fighters on the roster and there's more cards and the sport is a little bit different than it was back then. But that's just a prime example of why you need to say things. But you also have to be somewhat realistic. Nate Nate has always been his own dude. So him calling out Connor in that spot made sense. It's not a surprising call-out, but from a meritocratic standpoint, we're like, huh? You're not gonna fight Connor. You crazy? And then because of that promo, when a phone, when the bat phone needed to be dialed, Nate was the one on the other line. Benil is not Nate. Bilal is not Nate. So you got to be a little more careful with how you do things. You have to be realistic. You have to call the right names, and you have to be ready for it. Benny would have got a title shot if he just called out Islam at UFC 280. I think he would have got the shot before. Eh, maybe not. Maybe not the Volk fight. But Islam, like, there's nothing there. He beats Gamera and he says, I'll fight 10 more guys. You're gone. You have no chance now. And then as soon as Islam won, he handed the mic to Habib and Habib called out Volk. Boom. There you go. Now, had Benil called out islam at that moment or at least said all right islam let's go If you win the belt i'll fight you you said it you said you'd fight me in your first title defense so if you're a man of your word be a man of your word i'll see you in february see you in march but he said i'll fight 10 other guys no nope it's not gonna get you anywhere So just do the thing, Benny. I think Benny's going to win. I'm picking Benny to win. It's a good fight. Charles is a crazy man. And you never know what can happen when that man fights. But I just feel... I feel Darius is going to take a lot away from what Islam did to him and do similar things. I think it's... I mean, we talked about it a lot heading into UFC 280. And my pick was Charles Oliveira, but it was only because I thought, I was like, I'm just not going to pick against this man anymore because every time I think he's going to lose, he just does something insane and somehow finds ways to win. And you can't really teach that. It's just who you are as a fighter. And there ain't many like it. But everything on paper told me that Islam was just going to run him over. And, I mean, that's what happened. I think Charles is a little more competitive in this fight than he was against Islam, but Benny's got a tough style for that man. I know Charles got a lot of submission wins, and his ground game is really good, but he's not great off his back. And Benny knows that. He's going to try to take Charles down. He's going to try to get on top of him and beat him up. That's how I think that fight's going to go. But, again, Charles is a madman. He could land something crazy. Maybe Benny lands a big shot and, st- and stings him and tries to go in for the kill. And Charles comes out of nowhere and lands something crazy. Wouldn't be the first time. All right, let's take a couple more. Uh, let's get Theo in here. Hey, Theo. Hey, buddy. I'm French. Okay.
7: Uh, my sport is uh, MMI.
2: Nice. It's good. Uh, are you going to watch? Are you excited for Cyril gone versus John Jones next week? Uh,
5: competi- competition copy uh, um, uh,
2: competition. MMA.
7: Um, come, Champion France. Uh, MMA.
2: Nice. How many fights have you had?
7: Uh, yes. Yes. Um, My, uh, I, uh, excuse me, excuse me, um, 50 years old. 50,000? Yes, 50 years old, yes. Oh, all right.
2: Hmm. you're breaking up, man. Try again. I'm I'm losing you. Your internet connection isn't great, so you keep breaking up on me. But I hope your career uh, continues to flourish, my man. Viking, hello. Viking. How are you? Good. How are you?
7: Uh, I'm fine, a little bit sick, but that's okay. I just uh, I just want to ask you about the comment Jed has made on the BTL. Um, I mean, I just... Actually, I got a slip during the show because, you know, the show happened in between 1.30 or 2 a.m., so... It was not a boring boring show at all, so I'm not saying that the show was boring, so I got asleep but uh, I just wanna know about your opinion about the comment Jed has made that uh, Joe Martinez is better than Bruce buffer. So do you agree with that or not? Thanks a lot. I think Joe Martinez should have his props but nobody's giving him him props but still i just want to i just want to know your opinion about it thanks a lot
2: it's tough man it's tough like joe joe martinez is is joe martinez is the standard right now he's the stand like i think he is the best ring announcer in mma and this is not a knock on Bruce at all. Um, but Bruce is, how, how can I put this the right way? I think Joe Martinez is the best ring announcer in MMA, but Bruce Buffer is better for the UFC than Joe Martinez. Bruce is the UFC, man. It's time, all that stuff. Like, Joe is great, um, but Joe is just not going to fire up a crowd like Bruce's at a pay per view. Like, you're not, Joe's, Joe will get people going, but not like Bruce. Bruce is just a, Bruce is a friggin' legend, man. Like, he changed the game. And to me, and I, I, like, I don't want to sound like I'm taking shots at people, but Bellator should be, Bellator should be giving, they should be offering Joe Martinez, like, all the money to come over there and be their ring announcer. He would be perfect for them. Perfect. He's good for the UFC fight nights. Great for the apex cards. But Bruce is just, he's the UFC. Like he's the guy. But I think like all in all, just as a like straight up ring announcer, I think Joe's better in 2023. But it doesn't make him the the guy. Bruce is the guy. So that's just me. Like that's how I view it. Bruce is the man. He's a legend. And I'm not taking anything away from him. I like Joe a lot. Um, it's just my broadcaster thing coming out. But Bruce but Bruce is be- better for the UFC than Joe is. But Joe would be great in Bellator. Holy smokes. He'd be great. My- he'd be better than Michael C. Williams. They should give him all the money. All of it. But it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Because I feel that. Like, I li- I love Bruce. Like, I've talked to Bruce a bunch. He's the man. Um, I just, I think Joe does a fantastic job. But Bruce is better for the UFC than Joe. Especially in those big spots. No doubt about it.
8: James, hello. Hey, i got give him more Mike. Let's say the BTL yesterday, which you and Joe did a fantastic job. if you were a fighter would you rather be the most middleweight middleweight middleweightiest champion or the light heavyweight heavyweight heavyweightiest champion and if um andrew muniz just kind of rolls through arden island without a problem which i kind of think he will what would you do with him next would you kind of shoot this man to the moon i'm sure this guy probably has a hard time um getting fights but would you give him like a Sean Strickland, a Jerry near or even um, a Jack Romanson, and uh, I, I'm sorry for yesterday, kind of getting a little emotional, but uh, it was just kind of nice to finally leave the hospital with her newborn, and um, yeah, it was just I don't do things like that. It was just kind of all the emotion coming out at once, and if anyone else was struggling, it was just it would be. I don't know if my words helped, but maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but. Uh, thanks, everyone. Have a heck of a morning, heck of a weekend, and enjoy the fights. Thank you. First
2: of all, James, never
8: apologize for that.
2: Never. I thought it was it was good stuff. Uh, I appreciate it very much, uh, and I'm very happy that uh, the family's home. Very happy to, to hear that, and I'm sorry you went through that as a dad myself. There's nothing's There's scary moments as a parent, but nothing, at least to me, was scarier than when my son was actually born. Like the moment he was born, I'm just like looking at him and I'm like, scream, cry, do something. Like just waiting for it. And then he just screamed his ass off and I was like, oh, thank God. And that was just those moments where you're just waiting for the sounds to make sure he's like breathing okay and all that. It was just, I mean, I'll never forget it. And then I, I mean, I bawled like a baby. Bawled like a baby. Man, bringing me back. As far as Andre Meese goes, uh, he is fighting Brennan Allen for the middleweightiest middleweight title. Uh, a title that AK and I created. Uh, strictly for Christoph Jocko, because he was the middle-weightiest middleweight champion for a long time. Uh, That spot is typically for the number 16th ranked middleweight. And Brandon Allen got the job done and beat Christoph Jocko. So he is now the, the middleweightiest middleweight champion. But Andre Muniz, the big topic is, is Muniz ranked too high to carry that title? I say no. Puts more luster on the title, if we're being honest. I have Andre Muniz number six in my rankings already. Some people might look at that and think it's a little too high. That's just how I feel. I think he's that good. I think he could beat a lot of these guys already. Um, Where does the UFC have him? Is he top 10 for the UFC? Let me see. Uh, He's number 11 in the UFC ranking. So, I would say if he beats Brendan Allen, and it's going to be a good fight. Like It's going to be a good fight. I'm picking Muniz to win, but Brennan's going to give him problems. Brennan can grapple his ass off. His striking's gotten a lot better. Uh, and Brennan can wrestle, man. Hmm. If Muniz wins... Strickland's not a bad one. And Strickland would fight him because Strickland's would fight anybody. C's a 10 in their rankings fighting Brunson. Maybe the loser of that. Hermanson's a good one. Roman is fighting Marvin Vittori. Could do the loser of that one. Cam Nair's not a bad one. I mean... He's gonna have a tough time getting fights, but if he goes out there and just dismantles Brennan Allen, just gonna I bet he fights Jack Hermanson next. That sounds that seems about right. Strickland would work. So I'll say Hermanson or or Strickland. But I'll have more on Sunday when we talk about it. If he does win, because Brennan could win. And that would mess up everything. And it could happen, because Brennan's a good fighter. Emilio, what do we have? Take us home.
8: Yes,
5: good, sir. Mike, heck of a morning to every single one of you. You guys are awesome. Best community in the world. Uh, Okay, I'm going to keep it short uh, because it's a free-for-all Friday. Um, And my question is for you, Mike, uh, what is your preference? Toilet paper down or up? Appreciate you. And every single one of you, have a great weekend. Golly, people
2: like debate this all the time and like, I don't care. Um, no, know. I'll say down. I don't really think about it that much for being honest, but was not ready for that question. Was not ready for that question. All right. I think we're done. I think we have, uh, we have exercised this on this Friday. Uh, So we'll be back at 3 o'clock Eastern. Uh, We'll have a UFC Vegas 70 slash Bellator 291 preview show, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. And then, like, immediately after that – oh, wait a minute. I'll get one more in there. Daniel's here. Let's get Daniel in here. We'll give him a shot, see if he can get through. Daniel, do we have you? You're just muted. If you can unmute, we'll see if we can get it. Uh, You hear me?
9: Yes. Okay. What's up? Yeah. uh, First things. uh, Thanks for the opportunity to uh, yeah to have a space MMA space. I think it's cool. It's um, yeah um, that people can talk and listen. Um, Thanks for that. I have a question about uh, the um, uh, sorry my English the John Jones coming up fight and uh, the the situation after John Jones. May win, maybe, and what you think is if he steps back, and uh, yeah, we will have seen him for a long time fighting then, or if uh, what kind of uh, contract he has now to continue fighting, and what you think, who could be the next if he wins, uh, who could be the next after also uh, Francis left the UFC, could it be an Espinal? Or what do you think, what could be the situations? Uh, or does he just one fight, get championed like uh, GSP against uh, Michael and then leaving again? What do you think?
2: Thank you, sir. Um, so John has a, a, a pretty long-term deal. Uh, I believe it's eight fights. I believe he had like seven or eight fights left on his prior deal. But this one is just for for a lot more money. At least this is what John's saying. So basically said that Dana has ponied up the bag for him. And at this junction, why not? I think if he wins, they'll probably try to do the Stipe fight. That's a huge fight. The greatest in most people's eyes of all time against the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time in a lot of people's eyes. So that's an idea. We do have Curtis Blades fighting Sergei Pavlovich. You would think the winner of that one would probably get there, but is probably going to get the first phone call for that. And if not, poor Curtis Blades can get a freaking title shot, man. That guy. I mean, what else does that guy have to do to get a title fight? If he goes and mows down Sergei Pavlovich, and I'm pretty confident he's going to beat Sergei Pavlovich, and then he doesn't, and then he has to fight again? Oh, my God. That's crazy. But I do feel like if you're in the Curtis Blades camp, you are rooting for Cyril GaN right now. You are the biggest Cyril Ghosn fan on the planet. Because I do think, like, even if John loses, and I talked about this earlier, they could still do Jones versus Stipe. They could still do that, and that could headline a pay-per-view. You could still do that fight. But, man, that fight. John Jones versus Cyril GaN, I just, I'm so fascinated by it. Cause I just have no idea. Like I literally have no idea what I'm going to see. And I've talked to like people from both sides of the coin. I just don't, I just don't know. You can read it how you want. You can have theories, but it, we're, we're dealing with John Jones who hasn't fought in three years. A guy who clearly hasn't been sitting on his ass for three years. I just have so many questions. The Fernand, I, I interviewed Fernand Lopez. You'll hear that conversation over the next couple of days. And right when we were done, I was, I was saying goodbye to him. And he asked me for my prediction for the fight, put me on the spot. And I was just like, it's too soon, man. I just, I don't have an answer for you. And I was awesome. with him. I was like, if John wants to have a straight up kickboxing match with Cyril, it's going to be a, it's, going to be a rough night for him. And a lot of the things John does really well to get to those spots, Cyril is really good in those spots. Like, John is great in the... Like, John gets a lot of his takedowns in close, up against the fence in the clinch, a lot of trips. And that's Cyril's wheelhouse. He loves the clinch. He's a bad mamma jamma in that clinch. But if John somehow... Cause John is like very good at trips. He's very good on top, but he's not like, he's not a guy that's shot a lot of singles and doubles. He isn't like, he's not your catch catch can wrestler. But if John has figured that part of the game out where he can shoot it, like a beautifully timed double leg and gets on top. Oh man, it could be rough night for Cyril gone. There's just so many factors, so many factors. I can't wait to see it. I honestly cannot wait to see it. Cannot wait. Cannot wait to wake up that morning and fly to New York and sit in that studio with GC and watch that fight. I don't even know if I'll be able to speak because I'll be so interested in it. Can't wait. All right, we're done. Now I have to go. Thank you very much. 3 p.m. Eastern preview show. We're going to record a Jake Paul... Tommy Fury preview show right after that. Uh, that won't be live, but we're going to pre record it. Probably launch it on Saturday. And then we got Bellator tomorrow. We got UFC tomorrow. If you're into f- weird boxing fights, you got Floyd Mayweather, Aaron Chalmers tomorrow. And then we get Jake Paul, Tommy Fury on Sunday. So you got a lot to keep. We have KSW as well. We got one on Prime Video tonight. John Lineker, Fabricio DeAndrage, which I'm very excited about. So many fights. Just so many fights. So if you're an MMA fan, you got plenty to look forward to. As far as this show goes, back on Tuesday. Time's going to be a little weird. Uh, probably be more of a heck of an afternoon on Tuesday, but the rest of the week will be the way it's supposed to go. So thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a heck of a morning, everybody.
0: don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. and visit Bellator.com/watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder.